Sleepy Hollow is a place like no other. A place where the forces of good and evil collide for the fate of the world. Prophecies foretold witnesses destined to protect us all. But will they prevail? Armed with keen insights and the ability to see into dark realms. Well, maybe. Barb and Steve help decipher The Witness Prophecies, a fan podcast dedicated to Sleepy Hollow on Fox. Welcome back, sleepyheads. This is episode 35 of The Witness Prophecies. I'm Steve, and if this doesn't work, you do realize that we're just two people on a boat singing the anthem. And I'm Barb, and I didn't think that was a very nice April Fool's joke, and you know exactly what I mean. I'm so bummed. Poor Joe. Not nice at all. No. Anyway, we'll talk about that. Today, we're going to be discussing the 17th Sleepy Hollow episode of Season 3, the penultimate episode entitled Delaware, which was written by Damian Kindler and directed by Mark Roskin. Another fantastic job by Damian Kindler. Every time he gets a hold of a script, he does an absolute fantastic job with it. It was fantastic except for one thing. Yeah. (laughs) I'm trying not to hold it against him still. 24 hours later, I'm trying not to hold it against him. All right. How about a recap, Barb? All righty, Steve. The episode opens with Ichabod Crane making cappuccino for Abby Mills with his image on top, and she brings him a gourmet donut before they prepare to return to the catacombs. Crane begins to say something to Abby, but hesitates, and the moment is lost. Jenny Mills, Joe Corbin, Sophie Foster, Abby, and Crane are in the archives, and the team is split on whether trusting Pandora is a good idea. They only have eight hours until the Hidden One will be at full power, ready to destroy the world. Danny Reynolds arrives to join the team, meets with unspoken skepticism, and talks to Abby alone. He says he wants to be there for her and take her back to the little house on the beach. He stays. Expanded team witness walks through their plan. Abby and Crane will use Betsy's flag to find the catacombs and restore Pandora's box, and the rest of the team will remain behind and find a way to stall the hidden one. Crane and Abby depart for the Delaware River. The rest of the team devises a plan. Pandora tells them that the Hidden One will go to Bear Mountain, where his power will be maximized. The team decides to focus on the hourglass. They realize that the mountain is surrounded by ley lines, which are geomagnetic markers in the earth that supposedly conduct mystical power. The team will plant spikes to channel the energy using Pandora's compass to determine where to put the spikes. The Hidden One knows that they are there and sends a massive storm, forcing them to seek shelter. Pandora's compass is broken and with less than one hour remaining, Joe volunteers to go to Jenny's trailer to find the ley line coordinates on a map. Jenny will keep an eye on the hidden one per Danny's direction. As they drive to the river, Crane recalls the last time he saw Betsy Ross, and how he never saw her again. On the river, Abby holds the flag and sings the opening lines of the Star-Spangled Banner. They are no longer on the Delaware River, but on the River Styx, which is the gateway to the underworld. They speak of the times they have technically died, the people they have lost, and what they have endured. Crane tells Abby she is his best partner. They find Washington's crew frozen by the side of the river. Abby tells Crane that the crew were members of Knowlton's Rangers, the best militia fighters of their time. 
Crane finds a coded message written by Betsy Ross, and the team learns that there was a traitor on Washington's boat. They speculate that the real Betsy Ross may not have returned, and that victory often comes at a terrible loss. When one of the men comes back to life as a zombie, they realize that the spy was one of General Howe's men. Abby and Crane find the portal to the catacombs, take each other's hand, and walk through. Joe finds the map and calls in the coordinates. As he prepares to join the team again, Ezra Mills arrives at Jenny's trailer. Jenny finds the hidden one and prepares to shoot at the hourglass, although Danny tells her not to do that. The hidden one pulls her love for Joe out of her and uses it to turn him into the Wendigo in front of Ezra. Jenny hurries to find Joe and she and Ezra escape. Ezra tells Jenny that he knows all about the supernatural and gives her artifacts to try to save Joe. He says he owes August that much. Jenny is shocked and confused. Danny confesses to Sophie that he was tasked to keep an eye on Abby by Jack Walters. Abby and Crane find the temple in the catacombs and discover the hidden antechamber. Inside, they find Betsy Ross and discover that she is actually alive. Crane awkwardly introduces Abby and Betsy. Pandora confronts the hidden one and says he never loved her. He has only loved his power. The stakes light up and appear to contain the power as the sand empties in the hourglass. The hidden one uses his power to melt the spikes and the last grain of sand falls. He radiates with power and all that remains is the hidden one's final wish, that the world shall burn. Jenny tries the Shawnee incantation on Joe, but it doesn't work. She is forced to shoot Joe in order to save her father's life. He dies in her arms, telling her that he loves her. In the final scene, Betsy tells Abby and Crane how she was stuck in the antechamber and how George Washington escaped and took her cutlass. Betsy believes that she has only been trapped for several months. She's in for a rude awakening, isn't she, Steve? Oh, most definitely. I think that little concept is going to go over her head. But before we get into all that good stuff, what kind of news do you have for us this week, Steve? All right. We have rating news for episode 14, Into the Wild. The live plus seven numbers are in, and we were 21st in adults 18 to 49 percentage gain, increasing 63% from a 0.8 to a 1.3. And we were 20th in viewers gained, increasing 50%, going from 2.9 to 4.3 million viewers. Nice. Episode 16, Dawn's Early Light, the final numbers were 2.52 million viewers with a 0.7 rating among adults 18 to 49. Now, it was a little disappointing that it didn't come up, but we did raise a tenth in the adults 18 to 49. So we'll see how well the Live Plus 7 numbers show up. And for this episode, Delaware, preliminary numbers are 2.63 million viewers with a 0.7 rating in adults 18 to 49, which did tick up from last week, but... We didn't have basketball, so we were kind of hoping to be a little closer to 3 million viewers than, than what we got, I'm afraid. Well, hopefully, the as you said, the 7 Plus will come up a bit. And then with next week being the season finale, I hope we have a lot of people watching that one live. Yes, I do too. But I know Twitter was definitely buzzing all night long. Friday night, so there's no doubt in my mind that we uh, trended again. So Fox has got to like the amount of social interaction that the show's getting, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely, because ouch, because I usually will 
abstain from getting on Twitter until the show is over, but I wanted to try and see what the East Coasters had said, and I accidentally sort of spoiled myself on one. Oh, item. no. Yeah, so, yeah, we got to watch out for those spoilers. The weird time yes. zones and the Pacific time zone really kind of need to stay off social media until everything is safely finished. Yes. So, Steve, what kind of rating did you give this episode? Well, I absolutely loved this episode, and I gave it 9.5 Shawnee Incantations. Yeah, I thought it was really good, too, and I had it as a 9, but I subtracted a full point and made it an 8 when Joe died, because that just broke my heart. So I gave it 8 Melted Spikes and Broken Hearts. Yes. Yeah. All right. So, Steve... I see that you've renamed The Hidden One. Yes, one of our uh, followers on Twitter, Miss uh, Debbie Lamb, came up with this one, and I liked it so much I had to use it. Well, I like it too. You simply have to share it. Yes, Oh Whiny One yeah. <laughs> is now the new name for The Hidden One. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I think that is a beautiful name for him, and it fits him to a T. It sure does. <laughs> well, to no one's surprise, nobody wants to trust Pandora. Can you blame him? No, I really can't. And I still don't completely trust her 100%. Nor Even though she gave us absolutely no reason whatsoever to doubt that she was being sincere in what she is saying about wanting to stop the destruction of the Earth as we know it. So... I think it's her demeanor. Her, she's so cool. She's so impassive. She's not a warm and friendly person at all. <laughs> well, I think a lot of that is her situation now. I think she's kind of resigned herself that she's not getting her power back. And the whiny one never really did love her. So, yeah, you, you're kind of going to be a little cold and, and standoffish to everybody as far as your feelings go. She only loves her box. He That's, only loves yes, his power. Yes, there's no doubt about that. She only is in it for her power. And that's why you can't completely trust her. <laughs> and we see the hidden one up on the mountaintop, standing in all his glory as the sand is running through the hourglass. It was great when they got the uh, ley lines set up and it, the effect of it actually causes the sand to stop running. He was ticked. Oh, yes, he was. He did not expect that to happen. And Pandora looked quite pleased with herself. Yes, she did. And for a split second there, I think she really thought about going for the hourglass to break it, but just couldn't force herself to do that because he still got enough power to take her out. In a split second, so. And she probably still wants that power so she can put it back in her box and have it for herself. She doesn't want it dispersed anywhere, I'm sure. Yes. And of course, a whiny one has to make the, oh, what's a good, it's a hard choice of words to come up with what he did to Jenny. I'm not even going to call him a jerk. He's worse than that this week. Yeah, yeah. It was a very low move what he did taking Jenny's love and using it against her to turn Joe back into the Wendigo again. And he makes sure to let her know that this time it's forever. He was very cruel. Yes. 
very, very cruel. And I don't know why he would even bother to do that if he was going to wipe out the entire world anyway. Why waste his time? Very good question, because he knows in a few minutes he's going to just get rid of everybody. So why waste the effort on doing that to her? I don't know. I think that it just shows that he's just a mean-spirited, evil, nasty, cruel person. Oh, yeah. And he even makes the comment to Pandora that he was put in the catacombs for a reason. He was part of the evil, all the evil that was put in her box. He's just the face of it. That's true. He was a horrible person. He was just a terrible, horrible person to pull out her love that she had for Joe and and zap Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely was. Now, Pandora did help quite a bit in getting the metal rods placed for ley line power to kind of disrupt the hidden one briefly, at least. And she's actually goes up there to try to distract him to delay him even longer so they can get that last one set. But oh, whiny one is not having anything to do with it. He basically tells her that he never loved her. The only thing he loved was power. And when he melts the metal rods and gets all his power, I don't know if it really destroyed him or if it just magnified his anger towards everything. Well, now, though, when Pandora said to something to him, husband or whatever, and the voice within him responded back and said that your husband exists no more and that what all was all the only thing that was left of him was his final wish that the world shall burn. Right. And I, I almost had a sort it almost seemed to have a sort of a Moloky type vibe to it, I thought. I can see that. So maybe yeah. it's a combination of all the gods, all their spirits have gone into his body to create an all powerful quote unquote God that will destroy the world. I don't know. Right. Well the anger the <laughs> The part that wants to destroy the world is the strongest one so far, that's for sure, because nothing's changed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. But I, and I didn't expect that from him. I expected him to have his power and to be, I think he was the greatest thing since sliced bread, magnified a, a few thousand times. Right. But that, that kind of threw me with that kind of gravelly, almost echoey voice that he had that, um, that sounded more of the evil and demons that we're accustomed to hearing. Right. The writers can still surprise us. Yes, they can. Yeah. Yeah, Pandora really looked like she was hoping to find a window to take advantage of the situation. And you could see that in her face, but she just never found the, the opportunity, at least not yet. All right, let's talk about Team Witness. Okay, so as we begin, Jenny, Joe, and Sophie all think that trusting Pandora to help them is a really bad idea, which I'm... Sort of thinking, yeah, guys, you you all are right. But Crane was sort of the voice of reason and said, hey, look, now she's helped us out a little bit. We got to put bygones behind us and kind of trust her because this is it. We're down to eight hours and we don't have any time left and we need to do something here to try and stop him. Otherwise, basically, we're all going to be goners. Yeah. So they reluctantly jumped on that train. But eh, part of me thinks that, that they will be proven correct next week. But we'll see. Yes, we will see. Now, what I really thought was amusing how all of them rolled their eyes when Danny showed up. 
He's just there to join the party. And they yes. all were like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Even Crane wasn't looking too pleased about that. No, he? no, he didn't like it. Sophie didn't like it. Joe didn't like it. Jenny didn't like it. And Abby wasn't too happy that he showed up either. No. Yeah, Danny wasn't exactly the popular person, you know, in town. So, but anyway, and then when they talked about the plan, Jenny was also very unhappy to see that Pandora was not going to the catacombs because Jenny said, hey, this is your box, right? Mm -hmm. And that's so very true. So I suspect that... Even though Pandora said that nobody knows my husband like I do and I have to be there on the only chance you have to stall him, blah, blah, blah. I almost have a feeling that there's something that it maybe if she goes back to the catacombs, maybe she would have been imprisoned in some way or she couldn't put her hands on her box or it would destroy her and that she needs somebody else to get it out for her. I, I think there's something behind that, but I'm suspicious. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me either if there is a booby trap in the catacombs that would sense her presence and basically lock her up. Right. Now, Joe had a good idea, you know, once Pandora's compass was destroyed in the storm, he knew to go to the trailer since Jenny told him that and said, hey, listen, here are these maps that Crane gave me at Christmas time. They were Washington's maps. They have the ley lines on them. And Joe was like, you guys stay here. I can go fastest and get it. And then, lo and behold, you know, he fulfills that task that he needs to do. And as he's coming out, there's Papa Mills. And I've got to wonder, you know, what's, what's Ezra doing at the trailer? Is he just showing up because he's still trying to establish a relationship? Does he know that bad things are going to happen? Eh, I'm not sure, but there, I would like to think that he was showing up just to see Jenny to try and follow up after he'd left her the strawberry taffy last week. But Yeah, I would think that. I mean, the writers made sure that they made it appear that way. Yeah. Now, after finding out what we did about Dear Papa, uh, maybe not. <laughs> yeah. And so, of course, what happens out of all of this is that Ezra sees Joe turn into the Wendigo right in front of him. Jenny, because of her impulsiveness and the way she ignored Danny and said, hey, I've got a clear shot to this. She's going to try and take out the hourglass. But she should have known that if the hidden one could sense their presence when he didn't even see him on top of the mountain, send a storm after after them, why would he not know that she would have her eyes on him? And right. I would have thought, though, that Danny would have thought about the same thing. Don't get too close. But if you're going to have eyes on someone, you're going to be close enough to see him. Yes, you're going to be very close. They didn't have binoculars on him. So anyway... We know with that, that oh whiny one, as you call him now, which I, which I really do like that. I do too. He just pulled the love out of her and smacked Joe with it. And then I guess he freed her so that she could go see for herself what he had done. And he says, obviously, he's turning Joe into a Wendigo forever. That's it. Right. Done. Which theoretically then would be for a very short period of time if he's truly going to blow up the world. But yeah. And the crazy part, of course, is as soon as she runs into her father and he takes her to his little, his little own storehouse there. His bunker. <laughs> his little bunker. Oh, my goodness. It was loaded with stuff. Yes, it was. And she's flabbergasted because the first thing he's doing is he's pulling off things to solve the problem. And she's looking around in shock and awe. And he's got this the little cranium thing and he's 
got the knife that she needs to use. And do you know the Shawnee incantation? Uh, Yeah. And it's clear, boom, immediately, we all realize Ezra knows everything. Yes, he does. He knows what a Wendigo is. Yep. Because that was that look on Jenny's face when he says that was priceless. Yeah, Lindy Greenwood did an incredible job portraying her character throughout this entire episode because she had to go through all these different feelings and emotions. And she just did a fantastic job with the character of Jenny. But boy, was she shocked and she wants to know the answers. And Ezra's like, nope. I mean, he took control of the situation. He says like, nope, we got to go and we got to take care of stuff. I owe this to August. And then when they find him, because of course, Jenny had shot Joe with that tracking device so they would know where he was. And she tried it, and at first you think she's going to be successful, and then she's not. And her father distracts Joe so that he won't hurt Jenny. And the only thing that Jenny can do is to shoot Joe, and she kills him. And what a horrible, horrible choice for her to have to make. Oh, yes. It, there, it was a no-win situation. No matter what you did, it was going to be wrong. No, and... This puts Jenny now into just a horrible position. She didn't listen to Danny. Oh, whiny one used her. She had to make a choice between Joe and her father. She thought she just shot the man that she loved. Right. And she had taken so many steps forward this season with her relationships, her trust. And I think this guilt could be with her for a very long time. I believe so. And fortunately, it may take her father to bring her out of this. It really might, because this could put her right back into Terrytown. It could. And with the experiences that her father had having to abandon them, and you know, we'll talk about this later with some theories and some other thoughts, and what he had to do with his wife and his family, and now what the pain that she's going to go through, they may find that common bond, and that will maybe allow her to trust her father even more and then begin to lean on him and rely on him and get help from him and and establish a good relationship. But that was so difficult. Even talking about this is depressing. My goodness gracious. (laughs) Yes, it is. I was so shocked the first time. Well, when I saw it last night, I was so shocked by it. I could just sit. I could only just sit there and went like, what? No, 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 no. He's going to come back. No, 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 no. No, this isn't over yet. And then when I watched it for the second time, well, then the room got um, <clears throat> like a little dusty. Right. And I was like, oh, no, my heart is broken. This is <laughs> terrible. But they both did a fantastic job. I mean, Zach Appleman d- just did a fantastic job with that scene and how at least she didn't kill him instantly. So he had a chance to tell her it's okay. You had to do right. it. I love you. And she told him that she loved him. But heartbreaking beyond words. Right, and definitely was not one of our choices for one that was going to be taken out not, before the end of the season, that's for sure. Not even close. No. Well, the only humorous part was when uh, Jenny told the hidden one whiny one how she hated the way he talks and how he treats women, which, of course, is what we've been saying which, um, for weeks on Twitter now. Right. So... <laughs> And every week in our podcast. And every week in our podcast, yes. All right. So that was depressing. All right, Steve, you need to talk about Ichabod because we just adore him. (laughs) Yes, let's get in a more positive note. And speaking of positive, Crane, the artiste, is 
unfreaking believable. He's making cappuccino for Abby with his face on it. That was hysterical. <laughs> you know, you said a couple times that you think he needs his own cooking show. Yeah. Because we said he's not going on on What's-His-Face's show yeah. for um, Hell's Kitchen, right? Whatever the right. dude's name. But, oh my goodness gracious. Wow. He's fantastic in the kitchen. He ground all those beans himself. Wasn't oh. that so awesome? Yes. Ah, oh, yeah. A man of many talents. Oh, he certainly is. He's a catch. He's a yes, catch. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. <laughs> and he just, he's fantastic for what he will do for Abby. How can she not see that it's more than just their partnership? I don't know. But, of course, every time Crane has an opportunity to spit it out, he doesn't. It was so obvious. Yes. He wanted, he was, he wanted to say something. And, ah! Yeah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> no. yeah, I don't know which was more frustrating, him not saying it or what happened to Joe. but Because they go on and... You don't play with a man's face unless... Yeah. (laughs) I mean, really? (laughs) Goodness gracious. Yes. All right. Now, when Danny shows up, they kind of show everybody's reaction, but Crane's was priceless. (laughs) Are you kidding me? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Really? What's he doing here? Get him out of (laughs) here. Yeah, exactly. Now, it was real interesting that Crane kind of had his little flashback as he's driving and almost gets them both killed before they even make it to the river. No kidding. Why is he in daydream land with Betsy? And I know you like Betsy. I'm so sorry. But after we saw his great motorcycle skills and him bashing out of a barn, how how could he almost drive off the road? I mean... Exactly. uh, Oh, well. Now, I did think it was another awesome move that he makes by giving... Abby the flag and asking her to do the honors. You know, he did look like George Washington standing in the bow of the boat. Yes, he did. He really did. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you did get, definitely got a feeling of crossing the Delaware there. (laughs) You sure did. But it was sweet that he asked her to do that. I thought it was very touching. Yes. Now, why he didn't join in in singing the national anthem, I don't know, but well, when he did the karaoke, he was so-so, and then he apparently learned, because when he was singing along with the opera, he did a lovely job. So Yes. Now, granted, he may not know the words to it yet, so we'll give him a little bit of a pass. Okay. But they have another deeply serious conversation, and I thought it was just, an, just absolutely fantastic. Great dialogue on that. Yes, it actually was, because they they discuss what they've lost. And I think it wasn't a surprise, because here they were, heading back to the catacombs. If they're not successful, they may very well be dead, either if they get trapped in the catacombs again, or if they don't succeed and they get back and the hidden one destroys the world. Right. So if you're going to say the things that are important... This is the time to do it. Time to do it. Exactly. So I was waiting for Crane to say something, and he didn't. Yes, it was the second opportunity in this episode to say something, and he didn't. And he's just, Crane. But talking about the things that they had lost, the people that they had lost, but then he told her 
how great of a partner she was and how they wanted to look at the at the positive things instead. Right. And he missed his chance. Yes, he did. But it was interesting that he was able to uh, put Betsy and George Washington down. In only the kindest way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Halitosis and eats with her mouth open. <laughs> oh, I know. I just like, oh, really? Okay, great. <laughs> but it was interesting to hear him recap the things that had happened to him. Right. That he was buried underground for centuries. He was choked out by a sin eater, his own son. Buried again by a tree. He'd lost his wife. He'd lost his son. And I think that certainly speaks to the difficulty of their role as witnesses. Yes. And as they come up to the uh, original party that went to the catacombs and finds out that they had been sabotaged, he makes the comment about things coming at great loss. And he couldn't have said it any better because that's exactly what they're facing. It's a great loss. Absolutely. But when they make it to the window to the catacombs, shall we call it, or the doorway. Or the portal or whatever it would happen to be. The shiny, the shiny purple, <laughs> the shiny purple doorway, whatever right. it is. <laughs> kind of looked like Walter's mirror into the uh, alternate universe. Oh, it really did, didn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. I'm thinking alt universe. I was thinking very fringy. Yes. Perfect. Yeah. Yes. He reaches out his hand. Another gesture. And you go, Crane, oh, you want to just bang your head against the wall? <laughs> the wall. Yep, you do. And you knew as they stood in front of it, it's like, okay, put your hand out, take her hand, because that's what you guys are going to do. You're doing this together. You said uh-huh. you would do it together. He wasn't going to do it unless she agreed. He was there for her. He keeps telling her that. Yes. And they get into the catacombs and they have another little conversation about Abby having all these discussions with him and that it did keep her halfway sane and crane says no that's i had the same type of conversations with you while you were here so we both went through the same thing we can't be apart they have a bond (laughs) and once again you go crane you probably had another opportunity there yeah but they also have a little time issue yeah that's possible but again if you're down if you don't know if you're coming back or not say The things you need to say. say. Yes. And he still didn't. Okay, Crane, you got one more episode. Let's get on with it there. Right. They they did a lot of talking, but not quite enough. And when they find Betsy, Crane's face is just destroyed. So you, you realize that, yes, he really did have feelings for her. It made absolutely no sense at all how... He got involved with Katrina at all. No, again. It really doesn't. (laughs) No, because I'm doing the time thing again, and it's like, this doesn't add up. No. It doesn't, because again, if he disappeared in 1781, and they were together for six or seven years, do the math, he should have already been seeing her at the time that Betsy disappeared. Yes. Very confusing, but hand wave. Yes, big hand wave. Great big hand wave. But I think the other thing was that he felt that she had served her country so admirably that when he first saw her and he thought that she was dead, as we all did, frozen in time, that he thought that she deserved a better ending than that. 
to her. Right. And I think that would have been a fair statement. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But, but he course, doesn't realize that she's not dead. <laughs> yeah, but once we found her there under the sheet, it's like, oh, no, <laughs> she's right. coming back. And I know, again, I know you just adore Betsy. She's a cute kid, and she's got a lot of moxie. But, yeah, but poof, she wakes up. Crane, there he is. She's so <laughs> thrilled to see him. Yes, she was. I mean, that was what was fantastic about her actually waking up was the first thing she saw was Crane. Mm-hmm. And it was like, my hero, you came to save me. Yes. Because Washington had been yelling back at her that he would, he'd find a way, he'd find a way. And then he didn't find a way to come back and get her. But which was interesting because I think he had both the flag and her cutlass in his hand as he was running down, running back out right. of the catacombs. Yeah. I guess the war distracted him for the next um, several years. Yeah, that kind of. Might have done something. Just a little, yeah. Just a little bit. But, oh my God. God, was that awkward. Big time, because she also noticed that his hair was different and that he was clean. So she took in quite a bit upon waking up after. Yes. Although she doesn't realize how long it's been. Yeah. Yeah, She did not realize it had been centuries. No, she was way too focused on him. And yes, awkward, awkward, awkward. Yes, because, of course, they pull the camera back. As Crane reacts to, oh, crap, where's my manners? And you see Abby standing on the other side, and she's got her head down, and her her eyes are closed or down, like she wishes she was somewhere else. Or that she's quasi-amused by the whole thing. Right. One of the two. I couldn't tell what exactly was going on inside her head. But... Or, or that, that kind of look that you get sometimes like, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. But I will tell you, but Betsy may not have had her um, her cutlass anymore, but she sure had daggers, and they were coming out of her eyes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Women always know. Yes. Always. If someone is approaching the person that they believe is their man, uh-huh. they know. Okay, it's like an onion giving off a stench, right? <laughs> Women know. And apparently, apparently Betsy thinks that Crane is her man in some manner, yeah. shape, or form. <laughs> oh, yeah. And poor Betsy thinks it's early 1777. Oops. Yeah, that's going to be a little difficult to explain. It's going to be a lot difficult to explain. Oh, let's just show you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my cell phone doesn't work down here. So sorry. Yeah. On my calendar, I can't get to my calendar. All right, let's talk about Abby, Barb. Yeah, so Abby. So at the very beginning, when she brought him his gourmet donut with all the <laughs> different delectable scents to it, I think she said bacon at some point in there, didn't she? Yeah, that, that's what Crane smelled was bacon. Oh, yeah, well, we all love bacon. <laughs> bacon. And anyway, so then she's very gently and tenderly cleaning his mouth, and I am sure all the shippers just swore wound at that point in time oh yeah and then, how could you not <laughs> i know i'm like girl if you're touching him like that you just don't you don't do that to a platonic friend you really don't no <laughs> you don't you hand them a napkin and say you've got say, something on the corner of your mouth exactly you don't do that so he's not platonic abby anyway 
And then in the very next set, you know, major scene that we have here, <laughs> after Danny comes waltzing in to join team, yeah. expanded team witness, and they get alone, and she says she wouldn't forgive herself if something happened to him. And he says, well, we got to go back to that little house on the beach and make up for lost time. And she's saying, I'm going to hold you to that. And I'm sure then the shippers did a 180 and they were probably screaming at their <laughs> TVs. What are you doing? What you just you were just fondling crane and now you're and now you're talking about this other guy and you're gonna go shack up with him? Really? So yeah, that was a little upsetting in, in Twitter land. Yeah, yeah. Abby, you're a smart lady. Figure out that something isn't quite right here. Yeah. Uh, uh well, yeah, and after what we found out a little later from uh Danny, I think that will be taken care of as soon as Abby finds out. <laughs> Oh, yeah, big time. <laughs> big time. And seeing that we're supposed to see Mr. Walters in the next episode, I doubt very seriously it's not going to come out. Oh, yeah, big time. But anyway. So there's your hope, shippers, right there. Yeah, really. And actually, I think that they, they got that as soon as he did uh, True Confessions to Sophie. So Yes. <laughs> there you go. But anyway, so there are Abby and Crane. Row, row, row your boat on the river. She's singing. She's singing the national, the first couple lines of our uh, our national anthem. Oh, say can you see? And the next thing you know, poof, they have been magically transported to the river sticks. And when they were talking, you know, she talked about the things that had happened to her. Crane talked about things that had happened to him and to her. So I guess they kind of interspersed that conversation. But here she was trapped in purgatory. She went back in time to 1781 when he had no clue who she was. So we have had time travel. Mm -hmm. Actually, we've had a lot of it. And she was stuck in the catacombs. She lost her mom. And she lost her mentor and dear friend, August Corbin. So they've both had terrible losses. Yes. But they've also had great rewards. They vanquished Moloch. They have fought and gotten rid of more demons and evil creatures than There's... goodness knows what. That, you, yeah. we can, that they, everyone can read about in the book. Right. Which we'll talk about again and remind everyone at the end. But they're, they've got this great bond and great partnership that they would not have had. And some of these monsters may have, may have been successful in destroying the world had they not ever met and partnered up. So it's been, there have been rewards. So it's a good thing. Yes. But she's right. If anybody had been standing on the shore, gone past them, they would have looked really strange. Shot <laughs> on a little dinghy. Waving a flag and singing the national anthem. You would have wondered a bit about them. Yeah, just a little. Just a little bit. And it was clear that Abby had a lot of pain about being back in the catacombs and feeling that those conversations that she had had with Crane weren't real. And as you said earlier, he just kept reassuring her, which was so wonderful. Yes, it was. Yeah, very caring. And of course, it was funny that Abby was the one that realized that Betsy was still alive because she saw her breathing. You think, yeah, as Crane's about to come up with this grand eulogy for her. Because <laughs> yeah. he was about to. You, you saw his mind going, and he's, he, she deserves better than this. And he was about to break out into the eulogy. And, and Abby's saying, no, I uh, don't think that's going to work. What, 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 what do you mean? You know, I, I, you know he's almost incensed. I've, I've got to say yeah. this over my, over my dear friend. And. And Abby's like, well, um, nope, uh, she's alive. You don't need it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, 
So, Steve, what do you think happened to all the monsters that were supposed to converge on Sleepy Hollow so that um, a whiny one slash the hidden one could get his power back? We really haven't seen that many. They must have made a left at Albuquerque. (laughs) (laughs) They broke bad. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that was a cheap one. (laughs) Uh, Couldn't get the passport approved. (laughs) Maybe not. Yeah, because I did expect to see more. So maybe we'll see some next week, but I would think that they were necessary for the hidden one to get his power back. So I'm I'm a little confused on that. But again, you know, that's something that I can say, all right, we'll just go with it. And Right, yeah. And the, that's fine. Having uh, the Jersey Devil get the uh, hourglass may have eliminated the need for the monsters. Perhaps so. Now, I think you thought it was curious that they were spending what seemed to be a fair amount of time uh, having these deep conversations when in the archives, Crane mentions that time is of the essence. Yeah, I thought the conversations were wonderful. Yes. And I think that we, it was important for us to hear them. But I was surprised because I thought, guys, eight hours, world ends, less chit chat, (laughs) more chop chop. Well, of course, once they entered, crossed over the the mirror, time, of course, accelerates, so... That makes it worse. Yeah, that really does, doesn't it? Because they're, they're, the time there is moving faster than, well, no, because it was going, what, one hour was about 10 hours, we figured? Or they have, or maybe they have more time to get things. No, they would have more time to get things done because time is shorter in the real world and longer in at least the catacomb world, except in the antechamber world. Apparently, the, which unless is, Betsy's been out for centuries. Yeah, apparently so. Yeah, we don't know yet about the antechamber, if it's timey-wimey or not. <laughs> it's got Well, yeah, that's true, because she only thought she was out for a couple of months for a short right. period of time, and that it was early 1777 instead of December of 1776. Right. It's like, no, Betsy, it's basically been about 240. No, that's not right. It's been, oh my goodness. It's been 300. It's been 300. Huh. All right. I need my calculator. <laughs> Forget that. Okay. It's been a long time. It's been yeah. a couple centuries. <laughs> it's been a couple of centuries plus. That's terrible. You wouldn't think I had a finance background if I can't do math. <laughs> It's been three. What three? I'm an engineer. Years? I should be able to snap that out in no time. But three hundred and forty years. There we I go. I think. No, that's wrong too. All right, never mind. <laughs> the heck with it. Anyway, it's been a long time, and so that seemed a bit strange. Yes, and hopefully we will get an explanation or something. Either they will they will tell her that it's 2016 and not 1777. Yeah, she's in for a big shock. Yeah. Now then. Oh, Danny. When Danny actually told Sophie that he had been tasked to spy on Abby, I thought, why on earth are you telling Sophie that? Do you have a death wish? Because, honestly? Well, I I guess the only reason that he would say that is that maybe it's possible that, like our previous captain, he was a bit religious, and he felt like, well, if this is going to be the end of the world, I need to confess this to someone. Sophie's not a priest. Yeah, (laughs) very true. (laughs) But I thought, 
Okay, because Danny, if you blow up, that might be something better taken to your grave, hon. Yeah. <laughs> but she, Abby, is going to be ticked because trust is huge for her. Yes. Huge, huge, huge. And that is going to drive a monster-sized wedge between the two of them. Because it's going to be, Danny, how can I even trust you? You were spying on me? Really? Are you kidding me? What, were you stalky spying me? Yeah, from day one, he's the one who brought her back. People get restraining orders for that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> so I know that the shippers were thrilled, delighted with that. Yes. But Abby is going to be ticked off. Trust has been a recurring theme over and over and over again this season. We've seen it with Jenny and with Joe and between Crane and between Abby. Like, when he had his little spy thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, his little spy toy. Don't you do that, Crane. Uh, I won't. And then he confessed. But that's going to be a problem. Of course, it also opened up the interesting part where Danny says, okay, it was FBI Director Jack Walters told me to do it. And and there are clearly other people in, involved as far as, you know, from what he believes, that there have yes. got to be other people. And we all have thought the same thing for months now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. When she finds out, woo. Yeah, about the only thing that would save him is if Walters ends up being a Mason and shows up and helps save the day. Ah, that's an interesting thought. Right. However, Walters shot Nevin's point-blank range. Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think he's... (laughs) I don't think so either. No. No. No, I doubt very seriously that he's a Mason. I don't think so. Or he's an evil one. Right. You could have turned to the dark side. And we've seen a few of those in the past. Yes, we have. Daddy, daddy, oh, daddy. Yeah, that was such an awesome shock. (laughs) Well, we've been speculating. Yes, we have. uh Uh-huh, that we thought he knew. Yeah, there was more to him than than they were revealing, and we got the reveal (laughs) in this episode. Kaboom. So here's an interesting question. So does the bloodline come from him? Or does it come from their mother? Or does it come from both of both of them? Does it come from both sides of the family? I really think the bloodline is from the mother because I believe that was how she was related to Grace Dixon. Right. It was Mama that was related to Grace Dixon, wasn't right. it? Right. Yeah. But then did the demons come after... Well, I don't know. Because, well, the demons then might have come after Mama Mills just because of... Because she was in the witness lineage. Right. So I guess the question is then, did, why did August make Daddy leave? And maybe, maybe he, it, it almost sounded as if he did make Daddy leave. Yeah, it did. And that would explain why August Corbin had such a strong sense of responsibility for both of the girls. Yes. But why then did Ezra Mills owe Corbin? Did he start to follow Nevins and realize that he was playing with the wrong side? Did he get? An, did he have an artifact that he was trying to smuggle, and maybe that demon went after his wife instead, and he saw he was playing with fire? Right. I don't. I know. think that's very possible. What was going on? Because the picture of Corbin and Nevins together in the service was taken by him. I know, that was a shock. So he was part of that group that went in and actually, you know, saw the monster going after the gold, so... Well, we think so. Yes. We don't know. We could be speculating. 
Well, I think he's he got involved with the supernatural at, as at the same time that August did. It seems now to was make he sense. working more with Nevins than with August? I think so, and I think August is the one who probably convinced him that Nevins wasn't a good guy and it was going to cause problems. He probably didn't believe him at first until, like you said, a monster happened to get too close to his family. And maybe that was part of the deal. Right. Maybe he, maybe he was smuggling artifacts or doing bad things for Nevins. Then, then this horrible thing happened to his wife. And August said, and maybe at that point, then Daddy Mills said, well, wait a minute. I can't do this. These are my daughters. This is my family. And maybe he broke down and realized how terrible things were. And maybe he, at that point, he quote unquote reformed, but August told him that he had to get out of Dodge or maybe he he crossed Nevins in some way. Right. So so maybe he has found redemption. And if he has, well, you know what normally happens to people that are redeemed in some way. They they die. Yeah. (laughs) Get knocked off the show. Oh, maybe, maybe not. Yeah, I think. I really do think that it is very possible that he will survive this season and be able to give both Abby and Jenny some additional strength in having a family back. And now they'll learn the truth. Right. Yeah, he's not dying until they get the truth. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, no no kick in the bucket without the full backstory. That's yes. Not allowed. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, we seem to have a whole lot of Sand running through the hourglass now, didn't we? We had quite a bit of it, unfortunately, and the time ran out for Joe. A moment of silence. Time ran out for, time was running out for our team to save the world, especially when you watch that last little grain of sand go poop. Poop, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, then the remainder of the time spent in the catacombs for Abby. You know, that was a That was terrible for her and terrible for her to go back and relive it and and it's a very strange time for Betsy, isn't it? Boy, she has yes, no idea is. what time it is. She needs an hourglass. Yeah. Uh, poor Betsy. All right. Shall we talk a little prophecies and theories? Uh, let's do that. You know, and I'll tell you what, the first one, and I'll just put it out there, because the first one I put down was Joe's not dead. He's not dead. <laughs> the witches are going to come back. They'll do an incantation over him. He'll live. He'll be like Crane. He'll be okay. Um, maybe they'll do some timey-wimey time travel, um, especially when we saw Betsy with the strange time in the antechamber. And then... If Pandora got her power, she might... And maybe she could do something, but at the as I walked through it, I thought, you know what, I'm just hoping for this, and I'm afraid he may really be gone. Yeah. And I just don't see that. I don't see a, a time reset happening to bring him back. No. I and if I say that, because we know all my theories never come true, so if true. I say, I don't think he's coming back, maybe he will. Yeah. We can hope. There you go. <laughs> all right. And we still don't understand how Abby can measure it being there a year in the catacombs, but Betsy only seems to think it's only been a few months. Yeah, okay. So, so Abby, she thought it was more than a year. And she was gone for what, roughly five or five weeks, six weeks, something like that. We right. figured it out. And then we've got Betsy here. Okay, 2016, 76. Yeah, okay, that's, nope, I can't do math. What's that? <laughs> 200 and 
Is that 240 years? Yeah, that's two, 240 years. See, I told you I can't do math. 240 years, and she thinks it's been like less than five months, maybe two months, three months. So that antechamber within the temple apparently has a whole different set of dynamics from the catacombs. Or as you said, she passed out. She really doesn't have a clue. Right. Or is that how they can somehow trap the hidden one? Yeah, I think that's where he will be trapped, is in that antechamber. That would be interesting. And again, it makes you wonder, are we going to see some more time travel? Which we really have seen time travel. We've watched Crane travel. We've watched Abby Abby travel. travel. They've all traveled. Pandora's traveled. So I have no idea. So how do we think this will end? That's a very good question. And I don't have a real good answer, except that I think that they will figure out that, yes, not only do they need the box, but they will need the antechamber as well. Because I think that's where he was held, and that's why Washington and well, no, that doesn't make any sense either. Because if they walked in, he was there. Washington and Ross were in there. Exactly. Hmm. So I'm still confused as to how they never saw him, unless there was another chamber, exactly. another secret yeah. chamber that was just for him. But Maybe. again, is it really the hidden one now, or is this group of gods that are all amalgamated together? I don't right. know. And I still don't trust Pandora. No. I think they're going to have to do something about her. And maybe she's the one that gets banished because she's not going to want to give up her box and the power. That's nope. what she wants. Mm-hmm. So how they're going to do this, I don't know. Right. Yeah. I, it's, I can't wait to see it because I really have not been able to come up with anything that I like <laughs> as far as a good theory on how this is going to end. No. Um, I, I still think that at the end, we're going to see FBI Director Jack Walters speaking with someone, maybe, maybe Danny telling him to go pound sand, maybe him talking to someone else. And I think that that will be the nine sacred sites. So provided we get a season four, which we're all still cheering for loudly. Yes. That means as we go into next season, we're going to either need Sophie or, or Ezra Mills to fill in the blanks on the nine sacred sites. Because Sophie, with her archaeology background, and Daddy Mill, with his apparent connection to artifacts and knowing all about them and knowing about Nevins and Corbin. So one of the two of those will have to survive this season, I think, to help the team with the sites. Right. So that means, I suppose, that the shippers are either going to have to put up with the Danny, Abby, and Crane Betsy for a while or create their own fan fiction. (laughs) I'm sure. And that's if... Danny and Betsy both make it out alive. That's true. That is very true. Or secrets get revealed. Yeah, well, that's coming out for sure. Yeah. Sophie, out of loyalty, will kick Danny to the curb and go tell Abby if he doesn't confess to Abby himself. I think so, too. I Girl think power, will. baby. <laughs> All right. So I guess we're just going to wait. We've got one more week. It'll be a tough week to wait it out, but it'll also be sad to see that wrap up for this season. Yes. So, Steve, why don't you make us laugh with a few um, ickyisms? All right. And it started right from the beginning. You were forced to abandon the pleasures of caffeinated bean during your stay in the catacombs. But you and I both know your strong desire for the cappuccino con doppio cafe. Oh, I know. <laughs> that was great. Yes. <laughs> 
And when he gets his uh, little gift from her, mana from heaven. <laughs> oh, he was ecstatic. He really is a foodie. He can't. He can't go back in time. He'll. He'll never get this kind of food. No. And we cannot hide who we truly are, Lieutenant. And if you and I are yet again to face the possibility of the end of the world, we should embrace the fruits of life with a full heart. Indeed. And of course, as they're going in, he goes, I prefer to focus on what we have. And I have a partner of the highest caliber. That he does. Yes, he does. And of course, as he's trying to uh, prove to Abby that she is the best, well, she was occasionally rather pushy and prone to talking with her mouth full of food. But that was just, that was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor little, I mean, I felt bad for that point in time for Betsy. I don't, someone should have told her so she could change her behaviors. Yes. And on to Washington. Well, now there was a great man, but a great man with legendary halitosis. Yeah, and that actually is quite true. Too. Yes. So, ouch. Yeah. All right. What have you got for our history lesson today, Barb? Well, speaking of, of George Washington, and no, I'm not going to speak about his bad breath. Instead, I'm going to talk about George Washington, Thomas Knowlton, and Knowlton's Rangers. All right. And that, if you recall, was what. Abby noticed when they saw the dead-slash-frozen dead crew on the banks of the River Styx, and she realized that they were not ordinary fighting soldiers. And Crane said, no, they were Knowlton's Rangers. And, of course, there really was a Knowlton's Rangers. So George Washington was considered a clever and skillful spymaster. And he directed numerous agent networks, provided guidance and training and intelligence gathering to his agents, and used the intelligence they gathered very effectively during his military operations. He is considered America's first intelligence chief. His first experience with intelligence collection occurred in 1753 when he was sent by the British colonial government into the Ohio Territory to learn about French military strength and their outposts. This experience, and a failed experience during the French and Indian War, led Washington to understand the importance of intelligence and information gathering. He spent more than 10% of his funds on intelligence activities during the Revolutionary War. His first documented expenditure was one for $333 for an unidentified officer to travel to Boston and establish a network of agents to gather intelligence on British movements. Our very first spies. One of the individuals tapped by Washington was Thomas Knowlton. Knowlton was born in Massachusetts in 1740 and served both the French and Indian War and during the Revolutionary War. He joined his militia, the Ashford Company, in 1775 after the British attacked Lexington and Concord, beginning the American Revolution. He was chosen as the captain of the 5th Connecticut Regiment. In August 1776, George Washington promoted Knowlton to lieutenant colonel and ordered him to select key men to carry out reconnaissance missions. These men were America's first official spies, and known as Knowlton's Rangers. Now, he was killed in September 1776 during the Battle of Harlem Heights in New York. Now, someone that we've seen previously was also a member of this elite group, Captain Nathan Hale. He was, <laughs> yes, he was one of Knowlton's rangers, and we know that he was hanged as a spy, as we learned several episodes ago. Yes. 
Now, the U.S. Army considers Knowlton's Rangers as the historical forerunner of the modern-day Army Rangers, Special Forces, and Delta Force. In 1995, the LTC Thomas W. Knowlton Award was established by the Military Intelligence Corps Association. This award recognizes individuals who have contributed to the promotion of Army military intelligence. And that's how spying began in our country. Now, if you'd like to read more about Thomas Knowlton and Knowlton's Rangers, I'm going to include a link in the show notes for that. And also a link to CIA.gov and an article about the founding fathers of American intelligence. And you can read much more about George Washington's spy circles and his work. So yes, even the CIA.gov and your tax dollars are paying for this, kids. On that, you can read all about George and his work. Another fantastic job at history lessons, Barb. Thank you, Steve. It's always fun to read something about this that you don't know anything about. It was Yes, I absolutely had no idea of Knowlton and Knowlton's Rangers and that they were all Washington spies. That's, that's great. No, yeah, so thanks to the Sleepy Hollow uh, writers for providing us with all these juicy little things that we can look up and learn more about this season. Absolutely. <laughs> and next week I'll have a special history lesson, Steve, one just for you. All right. <laughs> all righty, so how about feedback? Did we get any this week, Steve? Oh, we sure did, and we're going to start with our bestie Justina and her audio feedback, and here she is. Hi, Barb and Steve. Wow, I know we predicted that the team would be smaller by the end of this week, but I'm so sad that we were correct. But so many very great things happened in this episode as well. I am so happy that it looks like Abby and Jenny's father is involved in the mythology, and he did not just leave them that there's more to that story, and I can't wait to get more information on that. And I am really sad to see Joe go, but I'm wondering now, can we get Betsy Ross out of the catacombs and bring her with us onto the next adventure? Because that would be super fun to bring Betsy into the current day and have another revolutionary person to teach about current day life and have another source of information when we need information about history and the past. And I want more stories about her as well. If she was in the catacombs the whole time, who was the person that came back and assumed her identity? I'm intrigued by this point as well. Even though I'm an Ichabod and Abby shipper, maybe it won't be so bad that Abby kissed Danny if we can have Betsy in the current timeline for Ichabod. This show is really returning to its roots that I love so well. Please, please, Fox, give us a season four. Because this episode is awesome. I give this 9 out of 10 coffee and donuts before returning to the underworld. So this is Justina signing out saying curiosity can be good for helping you solve a problem. But too much curiosity could make you pay the price and make you be trapped forever. Have a great week. Thank you so much Justina for another awesome feedback. See and she liked she liked it as much just about as much as you did since she gave it nine coffee and donuts before returning to the underworld. Oh, Really nice. <laughs> yeah. She's also really happy to see that Ezra was involved in the mythology, too. Yes, that, that 
I think we all expected it, but we sure didn't know for sure. And it was definitely a positive to see that he does have some knowledge. Yep. And of course, like everyone who was a fan of Sleepy Hollow, she was also sad to see Joe go. Yes. And she likes her Betsy. She wants Betsy to come along for the next adventure. She wants to learn more about Betsy. I can't argue with you, Justina. I would love to see it too. (laughs) Yeah, and hey, Fox, if you're listening, see, Justina, just like all the fans, just like Steve, just like me, we want season four. Yes, we do. Yeah. What else did we have? We have anything on uh, Facebook there, Steve? Oh, we had a ton on Facebook this week compared to what we usually get. And we'll start with our own Patsy Green. Thank you, Patsy. Okay, I will. I guess I will jump into the discussion about the episode on April 1st. How are they going to kill off Joe like that? Yeah. And that should have all been in caps, <laughs> Patsy. Also, I thought they all had already killed the beast who lived inside him two weeks ago. Yeah, so did we. Yeah, and, and I wonder if that's why Jenny couldn't really effectively talk to him and talk him down this time is because the hidden one or a whiny one took the love out of Jenny's heart and maybe that effectively kept her from getting through to him. Right. Yeah. But very bummer. possibly. Total bummer. And her question is so is Papa Mills the reason these monsters are coming to Sleepy Hollow? Interesting thought. Yes it is and one we kind of kicked around as a possibility. Mhm. Is that, yeah, he might have been the cause of all this, (laughs) or at least had something to do with getting it started. And, you know, we always post our our release of our episodes over on a couple of the Sleepy Hollow fan sites. And this week, we got quite a bit of uh, comments after our post. Charles Williams said, now that guy was cool. Tuffy had to go, waiting on the horseman to return. And I piped back and said, yeah, we're rooting for Headless to return as well. Now, of course, a couple other fans had to pop in and say, no, Headless isn't <laughs> coming back. Uh, Sarah Roberts, honestly, I doubt Headless will return almost the end of the season. Don't hold your breath. And I almost replied, but I said, no, I'll bite my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> and then Kim Westworth, Headless will not be coming back. He's working on a different show now. And yes, we know Neil Jackson is working on a different show, but he doesn't have to be headless. (laughs) No, especially when you're headless. Yeah. (laughs) You won't be recognized. Oh. (laughs) And uh, Constant Snowboss replied back and said, Headless can come back. It's Abraham that won't be back anytime soon. And Yes. Yeah, Kim says, that's what I meant, just not with Abraham's face. (laughs) Won't that be awesome, though? It would be. (laughs) It would be. Yes, it would. And Deacon Womack piped in with masterful writing and directing. And yes, last episode, that was masterful writing and directing. And same this week. Absolutely. There has been very little lack of quality in the product we may not always agree with the writing but it's been top notch and the directing has always been above board and the and the way that the characters have developed through the dialogue yes has just been phenomenal uh this season yes it has probably better than in season one in terms of character development i would say yes Mm-hmm. because they've all become more thoughtful, especially after the things they've gone through. And in season one, we saw a lot more of Crane's discoveries 
with, right. with new stuff. It was shock and all. Either Crane yeah. was discovering something or we were dealing with a monster that <laughs> nobody knew what to do with it. Yeah, and Abby was like, holy cow, what have I walked into? Right. So, yes, this season has been fantastic for just the depth of the characters and the way that they feel and the way that they interact with each other. And I've enjoyed it so much. Yes. We would love to hear your thoughts on this episode and the season so far, now that we're down to the last episode coming up. So please send us your feedback and theories. We want to welcome our new followers on Twitter as well as Facebook. And thanks for all the retweets, favorites, and interaction. This week's shout-outs go to Sleepy Hollow Fox. Debbie Lamb, old whiny one. <laughs> Kimberly Roots, Tara Swanson, Carolyn Addy, Cat Toner, and we once again cannot forget or leave out Mr. Revere, Dustin Lewis himself. Wonderful. As he was very active tweeting with us on Friday night, and it was great. We had a lot more interaction than we even had previously. Oh, that's awesome. Yes, we found out he was actually... One of the first walkers on Walking Dead, even. (laughs) (laughs) As we were discussing whether or not a zombie Revere was going to show up in the catacombs. That would be interesting. Yeah. (laughs) All right, Barb, what's our contact info? Okay, you can get in touch with us via our voicemail number, which is 304-837-2278, or you can go to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback where you can use the speak pipe widget on the side of the page to record audio, or you can typey-typey out your feedback on the form, or you can even attach audio feedback to an email. Now, our deadline for feedback is Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and you can do that also by leaving comments on Witness Prophecies on Facebook, our Facebook page, or getting in touch with us on Twitter at WitnessProfGSM. Steve is at SalyerSteve, and I am at Tangier 14. And I'll tell you what, next week is the season finale. We'd really like to hear from you all. We'd like to know what you really enjoyed about this season, how you feel about where the characters are, and just your thoughts in general about how the storyline wraps up. So please get out there and share the information with us. And if you're going to start a spoiler thread, put spoiler on top in big old capital letters and so that folks will know to stay away from it just in case they haven't had a chance to see the episode yet. Absolutely. All right. We've come to the portion of the podcast we call Visions of the Future, which we discuss future episodes and seeing if there's only one. You better run, run as if a gigantic storm cloud from the top of Bear Mountain is coming down upon you. Run. All right. Episode 18, the season finale. Abby and Crane discover an unlikely way to defeat the hidden one on an all new Sleepy Hollow finale. April 8th. After a startling discovery, Abby and Crane realize what they must do in order to make Pandora's box complete again. Meanwhile, the team works tirelessly to stop the Hidden One before he destroys all of humanity. Can the witnesses succeed with the fate of the world on their, in their hands once again? Find out in an all-new Ragnarok season finale episode. And we're going to see Daddy Mills, and we're going to see Jack Walters in this episode as well. Yes, and I don't think that'd be a surprise because Daddy Mills has some splaining to do. 
Yes, he does. And if you happen to see the preview at the end of the episode, you got to see Headless coming back. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And that, I think, would make people absolutely ecstatic. Yes, especially if he ends up on the good side this time. Yeah, that would be interesting. I don't, you know, I don't know. Or he could be, I don't know if he would be good or if it would be a setup for season four or, huh. Yeah, it could go any of a thousand ways, but it'll be awesome to have him back. <laughs> yeah, it will be. And one other thing, don't forget, Sleepy Hollow Creating Heroes, Demons, and Monsters, the official making of book, has been out now for several months, and it's by Tara Bennett and Paul Terry. Uh, we had our podcast on it uh, back in January before the winter premiere began. And it's a great book, and it's something that I think you'd want to keep in your permanent library. And of course, absolutely, as both of us do have that book. And we do. And absolutely, you can go through Golden Spiral Media and go to support, and you can find that book and order it through our Amazon link. There you go. It won't cost you anything extra, and we'll kick a couple of pennies our way to help support our servers. Please review and rate us on iTunes with good ratings and reviews. It helps other fans of the show find us as there are other Sleepy Hollow podcasts out there. To subscribe in iTunes to any of GSM's great podcasts, go to goldenspiralmedia.com backslash iTunes. Tell your friends, and we sure do hope you're enjoying our podcast. This is Steve, and I prefer to focus on what we have, and I have a partner of the highest caliber. And this is Barb signing out and reminding you to live fully because, like sands through the hourglass, these are the days of our lives. See you next week, sleepyheads.